0: Hello，大家好，我是 Teacher Lydia，欢迎来到国际聊天室。Hey everyone, I'm Teacher Lydia. You're listening to International Talk. 今天的来宾是我一直很期待的一位。我刚刚认识他的时候还不知道他有多厉害，但聊天中突然发现，哇，他会法文。下次聊天又发现他竟然住过摩洛哥，而且还会讲阿拉伯文。I'm very excited to welcome my friend Cindy to the podcast The more I got to know Cindy, the more impressed I became with her I've learned so much from her and I can't wait for her to share her wisdom with you too So let's hear
1: from Cindy Welcome
0: Cindy, thank you so much for coming today
1: Thank you for having me
0: I'm really excited to talk to you. So I'm going to start with the basics. Okay. Um, where are you from?
1: Um, hard question. I'm Taiwanese-American. I actually grew up in Taichung until I was seven years old. And then ever since I was seven, I lived in Austin, Texas and did all my formal and higher education. So in short, I am from both Taiwan and also Texas.
0: Very cool, and it's really interesting, um, you've lived in more countries though, right? So even though you grew up in Taiwan Mm -hmm. the U.S., you've also lived in many other countries.
1: Correct. Um, During my undergrad, I actually studied abroad in Paris, France for a year, and then in Meknes, Morocco for another year, um, just for my language studies.
0: What did you study?
1: Um, At UT Austin, University of Texas, I studied, I majored in French and Arabic, but it was called Middle Eastern Languages and Cultures.
0: That really interesting. Why did
1: you choose that study? Um, whenever I was young, I like realized that I really like languages. And so I started French in middle school, continued it through high school. In college, I went in with linguistics. I didn't love it, it wasn't as practical, in my opinion. And so I decided to major in French. Then I finished my entire degree and lived for a year in Paris. And when I was in Paris, I was like, I need to keep learning languages. When I was there, I was um, kind of caught between Spanish or Arabic, and I just thought that Arabic was a bigger challenge and that I wanted to take advantage of my university's resources because in the future, I could learn Spanish more independently. But for Arabic, I needed more structure and um, resources. That's why I decided to do that, and I realized that I absolutely loved it, and that's why I decided to major also in um, Arabic.
0: It's really rare. I actually haven't met many people that speak Arabic, so I think that's really, really interesting.
1: Thank you. I absolutely love it. And of course, anytime you want to learn, I'm here.
0: (laughs) Well, I've already picked up, I was saying to Cindy earlier, i picked up some phrases from her. Yes. (laughs) Just from chatting with her. Um, How many other languages do you speak?
1: That's all. I speak four fluently and um, good enough to teach. Um, So English, Mandarin, French, and Arabic. And then I am learning um, Spanish on this side and a lot of um, American Sign Language so that I could sign baby sign language.
0: I was just going to say, that's a fun fact about you. Cindy's been learning baby sign language. Which Correct. is so cool. Yeah. It's really interesting. Thanks. And the last question for now, what are your hobbies? What do you do in your free time?
1: I have a lot. My favorite thing is to be in the outdoors. So maybe hiking. I like anything that gets my body moving. So maybe like yoga or swimming or lifting weights or boxing. Um, I also enjoy dancing. Um, I'm... beginner at hip-hop but I also really enjoy Latin dancing Um, so yeah just anything that has to do with moving um, you you get the endorphins and you also get to make friends through it.
0: Wow it's really impressive I always really admire how much you exercise (laughs) and like yeah it's really good and you really enjoy all your hobbies and exercises it's not just like oh I need to go to the gym but like you actually found
1: things that you enjoy.
0: Yeah, I think in the beginning it wasn't like that, but over time, you grow to love it. Mm. Right. During her undergraduate, 他想想，觉得学阿拉伯文比较挑战性，而且他想要趁还在大学的时候，可以利用大学的资源，好好的把阿拉伯文学好。因为他觉得西班牙文他之后比较容易自学，真的很厉害的一个人。我跟他说，我没有认识很多会说阿拉伯文的人，但他真的非常爱这个语言，而且也很喜欢教其他人阿拉伯文。平常跟他聊天的时候。她有時候就會冒出一兩句 I picked up some phrases from her 我也學會了幾個詞 Sign Language 他在他的Instagram上面有分享一些他的Baby sign language 而且還特別喜歡拉丁舞 她说只要你在动,脑袋就会产生安多芬, really admire, 我很佩服她的运动量, 在摩洛哥的生活, you mentioned that you moved to the US when you were 7 years old. What was that like moving there from Taiwan because I feel like it's a very different culture?
1: Yeah, um I was a super excited and just like over a positive, optimistic, um social kid. So the transition was pretty smooth. I didn't speak a lick of English before going. And so it was just through immersion and being seven years old and playing with my classmates that I picked up English. And in terms of certain, like, culture shocks um, besides the language, English to me was so new besides learning language, um, just, like, experiencing new concepts like freedom and autonomy in the classroom. So as a seven-year-old, I was really shocked whenever I saw my classmates just like get up um, while the teacher was talking to sharpen their pencils or grab a bathroom pass or throw out a piece of trash because from my in Taichung like you had to you couldn't just do that anytime you wanted to. Um, also I realized that there was like a lot more autonomy for kids like I remember my first sleepover in third grade my friend had a whole tv to herself mm-hmm. in her bedroom. And I was just like, whoa, like, that's a lot of materials as well as, like, autonomy. And um, other things was, like, a big shock was, like, food. A lot of, like, Asian Americans have, like, a lunchbox moment where they take out their lunch and they feel ashamed for what they're bringing to school. Um, but it could be, like, a shame or a pride, right? Because other if you're microwaving the food, people can smell it. And so they make comments like, ooh, that smells weird or different, or they make comments like, ooh, what do you have? Like, that smells delicious. And I just remember, like, as a third grader, or I can't remember, but I would bring sushi. Mm -hmm. And because the nori, like, the seaweed was black, I would get made fun of because my food was black. Oh,
0: no! It,
1: It was, like, kind of sad for, like, a little, little, like, elementary school student because... It's like one of your favorite food, but your peers are making fun of mm-hmm. you. Um, but obviously, like with time, I become more confident in it. And then I ended up only bringing my packed lunch to school, like even through college. So <laughs> <laughs> that
0: is re- that's very Asian. Right? It's very <laughs> Asian. Yeah, I actually have a similar story. When I was in, I think it was elementary school as mm-hmm. well, I brought dumplings. And eventually my friends love dumplings, but the first time I had them, I also microwaved them. And I'm sure you know, dumplings don't smell the best if you're not used to it. And so a lot of my friends were like, what is that trash smell? And I was so embarrassed. I didn't dare admit it was mine. I was like, no, 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 oh, I don't know. What's that smell like? I don't know. And then eventually I went home and told my mom and I was like crying and I was like, everyone said my dumplings smell bad. And it's like, yeah, eventually they were all like, oh my gosh, I love dumplings. But the first time it's like, what is this weird thing?
1: <laughs> For sure. And then it just like leaves you with that feeling of like uh, it's the worst feeling. But now there's more exposure and more education about like mm. diversity and acceptance and like appreciation of different cuisines. Yeah. That it was different like say I don't know, like 18, 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, hopefully now it's more multicultural and yeah. people. I think definitely sushi, for example, is <laughs> something that is a lot more common. So for sure, kids hopefully aren't being made fun of, of their black
1: food. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you mentioned that you moved to Morocco.
1: I moved to Morocco for my study abroad program under Arabic flagship, and basically it's like this government U.S. government funded scholarship for American students who want to pursue critical languages, for example, Persian, Turkish, Korean, um, Arabic, just like languages that many people don't study. And their main goal is to get students from advanced proficiency to superior proficiency. Um, And whenever I was studying Arabic, I knew that I liked it a lot and I wanted to move to an Arabic-speaking country and I wanted to be amazing and master it and that's why I decided to do this program.
0: So your Arabic level was already pretty good before you left.
1: I was already at advanced and I was already teaching um, Arabic as a student teacher in a high school um, but the learning curve gets more difficult if you wanted to get from like say advanced to superior Mm -hmm. right like it's you need to gain so much more lexicon, um, you need to gain so much more skills in speaking, not just like speaking, but like debating, not just presenting, but like uh, presenting arguments. And mm-hmm. and so yeah, it was like a really arduous journey um, to really rack up your like language level once you get towards the end.
0: Mm. So what did you do while you were in Morocco?
1: I was a full-time student um, Every day, I just like had classes. It wasn't just modern standard Arabic; it was also Moroccan Arabic derija. It was also Egyptian Arabic masri. In the fall, we had to take local university classes. In the spring, we everyone had an intern internship. Um, then we had every week we needed X amount of language hours with our language partners, our Moroccan friends. And aside from that, it was like time spent with local host families. So I was with a host family. And then, yeah, or if you had time on the weekends, you can do some domestic travels. So that was one of the highlights, was getting to travel inside Morocco.
0: And I'm sure being there, there must have been some culture shocks. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) I consider myself pretty resilient or, like, versatile because I grew up bicultural, like, Taiwanese-American. I had lived in France for a year before that. But moving to like North Africa, for those who don't know, Morocco is in North Africa, the west, northern, western tip, right under Spain. Um, It was a different experience. One of the biggest shock was like I was visibly Asian, Mm -hmm. and in the city that I was living in, it wasn't Casablanca, it was not Rabat, and it was a smaller city, Meknes, nonetheless. Like it was still the fifth largest, but. Being Asian really made you stand out. And so I people would just call me Ni hao and Konichiwa and even Jackie Chang and Pokemon. Oh like God. like it was I don't want to call it racism, but it was like very it was just a different kind of treatment. Mm-hmm. And it was it stemmed from the lack of exposure. Mm-hmm. Um and so they kind of just lumped every Asian ethnicity into like one monolithic picture but um, on the flip side of that like being Asian also made you stand out in a positive way like people would always like just treat you better you know like if you spoke their local dialect they just like treated you so well Um, they wanted you to experience the best of Morocco so you kind of get the best and worst like you stand out in the bad way but you also stand out in the good way
0: and so when you had it in the bad way, like when people make these comments, what would you do?
1: Honestly, I think it depended on my mood and energy. I couldn't, like, confront everyone who made an ignorant comment. And s- sometimes you just have to learn to, like, shake it off and just, like, let that roll off your shoulder. But sometimes if it's a someone that, you know, you, wanna, you care about, you know, maybe a neighbor or auntie or a language partner or a teacher... Or staff at the school, and it was a relationship that you could invest in. It's more advised to just like make a very respectful like comment, be like, "Oh, like actually, konnichiwa is actually Japanese, and like Mm. Chinese people say ni hao." But sometimes it's not that good to say it because like you can't tell Chinese people and Japanese people and Korean people apart. So sometimes. It's just better to not assume. So if I was in the mood or I had the energy, I would try to like give them a little like nugget of information from like an Asian person.
0: Mm, So kind of like educate them so that they have the information and the knowledge next time they meet an Asian person.
1: Yeah, or or sometimes I just shake it off. Yeah, I just (laughs) let it go. It's not a big deal. And I can only, I only have so much energy and Mm. I can't change the entire city. No, but... At the very least, my close Moroccan circle friends, like, they knew what kind of comments were triggering and what kind of comments were maybe inappropriate. And so they were all very respectful and really, like, woke by the end of that.
0: Mm, That's amazing. I think that's that's the biggest thing is that when you experience culture shocks, it's normal that people, you know, make comments or are not used to it. But if they're open-minded and able to adjust and listen, then it's not as bad as, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they were almost always super accepting mm-hmm. to uh, my feedback. They just didn't know better, and they were really like grateful that I had corrected them, or they mm-hmm. were very like just like open to my views. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's only o- almost been positive whenever I did like say something about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds good. So are there any stereotypes about Morocco? So now that you've left Morocco and you tell people that you lived in Morocco, were there any things that people would say to you or ask you that um, stereotypes about Morocco that were either true or untrue?
1: Um, a lot of Taiwanese people, and I would even say Americans, ask me if I need a cover or cover my hair or wear hijab. Um, Morocco is one of the most like open or quote-unquote Western countries from many of these Arabic-speaking countries, or even North Africa. And so, in general, Morocco was, like, colonized as well by France, and they have a lot of foreigners there, they have a lot of travelers, so, like, never have I felt like I had to cover my hair. The only thing was, I always dressed pretty um, modest. Like, I never showed anything, my knee, and then never, like, too much shoulder or any cleavage or anything. Um, But, yeah, a lot of people have this idea that I need to cover, or they need to cover their hair, or as a woman, they need to cover their hair if they wanted to travel to Morocco, and that's not true.
0: Mm. So covering your shoulders and your knees, is that something that you knew beforehand, or...?
1: Yes, because I had, like, Xue Jie, who (laughs) gave us all these really, like, useful and practical tips, especially for women, um, Mm. or women students, before they went.
0: Before Mm. you went, did you also think you had to cover your hair?
1: Um... I can't remember, like, pre-pre-Morocco, Cindy, who she was, but, yeah.
0: Life yeah, no,
1: but I think I had, like, friends who were my my学姐, and they had already, maybe I saw their photos beforehand, or we had already had many conversations about it. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know that you often talk about how much you miss Morocco, mm-hmm. and what was your favorite part about living there?
1: Oh my goodness, I absolutely love Morocco. I it's hard to narrow it to one thing because there's so many amazing things about Morocco, but the best thing or my favorite thing was the relationships or the relationships I got to build. Um, People there are super relational and something I really admire about them is that they are very welcoming and generous and um, they are willing to give you their time. Like they're not in a rush um, to go from place A to B. They're not... They don't have an agenda. They don't have that many errands to run. And so they just truly, genuinely want to spend time with you and cook for you or cook with you or show you their city and just, like, get to know you. Obviously, I am say that as, like, an Asian-American who look different and maybe they treat me in that particular way because I am foreign. But in general, I think they're very relationship-oriented. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Is there a specific memory or a relationship that stands out?
1: Ooh, that's hard. I think I had like just overall very positive relationships with my teachers, language partners, um, host family, even like neighbors, even like my soup man. Like there was one shop that I would always get my soup, Herrera, and I would get their donuts, Finch. And the soup man was nice to me, and like the men at the souk, which is the market, were also so nice to me. Like I had my olives, zeytun man, I had my herb man, I had my fruits man. I don't know, like just walking down the market, I live next to the market, I would just like greet all these market men, <laughs> <laughs> and like a lot of them knew my name. They knew that I was like Cindy Shinuya, the Chinese girl. Yeah, they were just like super smiley and welcoming, and and yeah, my host sister Aisha, she and I, like our favorite pastime was going to the hammam, which is like the public bathhouse. And when we go, we just spend like three hours chilling. Wow. <laughs> And sweating and like rubbing dead skin off of our bodies and massaging each other and rubbing oils and like re-washing our hair and putting like crazy organic natural stuff all over our hair and body like that was our favorite pastime was going to the hammam and then later we would eat and feast that
0: sounds amazing <laughs> it's like the, kind of like a more chill life, you know, you're enjoying your life enjoying every day and Yeah.
1: yeah Moroccan women take their self care in the hammam, like their public bathhouse, really seriously.
0: That's amazing. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a very special bonding experience.
0: And I think they're also um they're also quite famous for their care products, right? I yeah.
1: They're argan oil, Zayt Argan, and rose water. But mainly their argan oil because they only grow in specifically Morocco. They're the only country that produces it. And so, of course, I had my argan oil man, Moul- <laughs> Moulis Sharif. <laughs> I only got my oil from him every time I went, like, his entire, like, family and, like, sons and nephews would greet me like i was like a long lost like sister or something it was really dramatic <laughs> but it was with all the love and just like generosity i i felt like in general from moroccan people in general
0: that sounds so yeah. nice so like community
1: and very everyone community knows group. everyone <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i totally didn't prepare this but i just <laughs> wondered would you be able to teach me
1: three choose three
0: words ooh, in Arabic, ooh, Arabic okay um or we, teach teach our listeners
1: as well <laughs> maybe the best one is salam alaykum alaykum yeah it just means peace be upon you that's a really good one salam alaykum um another really good one is alhamdulillah yeah it means god be praised like amazing like if you just want to say oh how are you lydia you can say hamdulillah,
0: hamdulillah.
1: exactly so we have assalamualaikum As-salamu
0: hamdulillah
1: hamdulillah and then maybe last one is mashallah
0: mashallah
1: mashallah means you're amazing god be praised Masha'Allah Masha
0: Masha'Allah
1: And when you say that It means that You're so amazing I need to say Masha'Allah Otherwise I will give you The evil eye What does that mean? That means like Jealousy I don't want oh. I don't want you to I don't want to be Jealous of you Because if I was Jealous of you Then something bad Would happen to you
0: Oh so it's like Saying you're amazing But in a way That I'm not jealous
1: Yeah Oh that's
0: really cool Yeah and
1: like I want you to also Have that like like, God be praised that like, you're amazing. So, like, Teacher Lydia, you're amazing. Like, you're an amazing teacher. You have your own business. You also teach, like, kin- kindy children really well. MashaAllah. Mm. So, assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.
0: Alhamdulillah.
1: Alhamdulillah.
0: And MashaAllah.
1: MashaAllah. And those three are, like, all used across the Arabic-speaking world. Like... North Africa, Middle East. So it's not only specific to um, Morocco.
0: That's amazing! Yeah, thank you for teaching me that. Of course, That's really cool. <laughs> and for, the, for our listeners, I'm sure it's not often that yeah we get to hear Arabic and learn Arabic. Thanks so. for
1: wanting to learn. It's I love Arabic so.
0: <laughs> I can tell it's amazing. So in case you couldn't tell from Sydney's amazing three-word three class, um, Cindy is an amazing teacher and she's learned and mastered so many languages. What do you think is the key to learning a language?
1: The key, in my opinion, is consistency, time, and structure. I was lucky to have really amazing professors who like employed very modern pedagogy that made learning Arabic fun because a lot of people say, oh my gosh, like Arabic sounds so hard. Any language could be hard, but it's all about who's teaching it. Like, as we all know, we've had good teachers and bad teachers, and they make the difference of, like, day and night. But aside from, like, having a good professor, a key to mastering language is consistency, time, and structure.
0: What do you think are the biggest challenges to learning a language?
1: Same thing. Um, Sometimes we don't have time. Sometimes we don't have consistency because... We've all been there, like, you're motivated, but you lack tools to have structure. And without structure and consistency, it's really easy for the brain to forget it, because our brains are very efficient, right? If we don't use it, we lose it. I always say, use it or lose it, I right? Love that. And so when you don't use it, you literally forget it, because your brain is conserving space and energy and remembering things that you need to And so without, like, repetition, without just, like, reviewing, without using it, it's really easy to lose vocabulary over time.
0: Do you have any tips on how you sustain it or, like, how you use it more?
1: Sometimes you just have to make it a habit. And the analogy I like to use is, like, exercising. Like, sometimes I don't want to exercise, but I make myself exercise. Why? Because I know it's good for me. And so without even, like having an argument with yourself oh should I go to the gym or should I go on a run or should I go on a walk back and forth you just schedule it right then you don't have to worry about whether or not you have to do it you just do it
0: <laughs> you make the plan you're like there's no
1: choice yeah um also having some kind of guidance so that could be like registering for a class like a group class maybe with teacher Lydia almost <laughs> um, it could look like getting a tutor it could look like um anything you need it's like sometimes when we get a coach right it's because I need them to give me like a workout plan same thing teachers give you a curriculum they give you guidance they help you with structure over time you learn to say work out on your own in the gym or over time you learn how to study languages on your own right
0: Mm, so like developing that kind of system first getting into the habit getting used to it
1: yeah having a foundation and it's hard to have a foundation without guidance or having a structure and so for me I'm learning Spanish and I'm getting more busy and so um, without exception I just book a tutoring session every week and so at the very very least every week I'm still using Spanish at least for that one hour and not even like making exception
0: that's amazing. I think that is definitely one of the hardest things for students is finding that consistency and that motivation to force themselves to do it every week.
1: Yeah, or even like finding people who share the same passion as you, like just as people share the same passion for like hiking or crafts. Um, it's You can grab a friend to sign up a class with you or grab a friend and hiring a tutor or um, grabbing a friend to attend um, like maybe group events like the what do you have the the board game game. like sometimes we're afraid but like when you know that someone is there on the ride with you then you have a little more courage you have a little more accountability we're all social beings and we like to learn in community and so just having that one person to like bounce ideas off of or kind of go through it together makes it a lot more enjoyable
0: Mm, I completely agree having having friends or a partner definitely helps learning anything. Yeah, especially language. Yeah. Amazing. We're approaching the end of the episode, so I just want to ask you the question that I ask all my guests, which is the first one is, what is your biggest tip for Taiwanese people who are learning English right now?
1: Nowadays, with technology, there's so many resources, like podcasts, there are YouTube videos, they are series and movies, and like sometimes I wish that there was this amount of resources for like say Arabic learners or French learners Mm -hmm. but in general English has a ton of resources that we can access for free and so just to know that resources are at your fingertips and to know that just through consistency and a lot of repetition you will be building your languages and then may not look overnight but sometimes when you just learn one new word a day that is still one new word more than yesterday. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm, I love that. If you learn one word a day, it's still one more than yesterday. I really like that. I think that's a really good motivation. And I think it's true because there are so many resources and it's just about, you know, whether you can kind of push yourself and like you said, stay consistent in using those resources to improve your language skills.
1: For sure. Or even like when you're commuting to work, you're in the MRT or taking the bus and just like listening to 10 minutes of a podcast. Um, and choosing maybe the level, maybe choosing something that's more learner-friendly, or even like a lot of these podcasts have the option of slowing down the speed to 0.5 or 0.75, the speed. Yeah, technology is amazing.
0: It is, it is. It's a great tool. And the last question I want to ask you is if you could say one thing to Taiwanese people in general, what would it be?
1: Be proud that you're Taiwanese. (laughs)
0: I love
1: it. Taiwan is an amazing country, especially with COVID now. All of my foreign friends are so Mm 羨慕, like they they just want to visit Taiwan. And we're so lucky to be here. And Taiwan, I I realize a lot of Taiwanese people are not super proud. Like they just think that 国外的, like anything foreign is better. Mm -hmm. But that's not true. Like Taiwan is really... It's a gem. If you grew up in Taiwan, you are already like a native speaker of Mandarin Chinese. And not only that, you can read and write traditional Chinese and just to know how important Chinese is. Like I have a lot of like foreign like Westerners who are trying to learn Chinese from me and you already know one of the hardest and most important language in the world and you're already on your way to mastering English so just have more confidence in, in yourself. Also you can learn any language once you set your mind to it.
0: I love it. Thank you so much Cindy. Thank you for coming and sharing and teaching us Arabic and also I just wanted to tell everyone that Cindy is also a teacher, and she teaches many languages. Which languages do you teach, just so they know?
1: Um, for I teach Taiwanese people either English, French, or Arabic, and then I also teach foreigners or non-Taiwanese people Chinese.
0: It's amazing. So, if anybody is interested in learning with you or from you, uh, where can they find you?
1: They can find me on Instagram, languages with Cindy, one continuous username handle. And yeah,
0: so that's Cindy C I N D Y.
1: Languages with Cindy,
0: and I'll put it in our description too, so everyone can link to it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lydia. Cindy's story is really amazing. I don't know how many people understood it. Let me explain some of the stories she shared. 首先呢，他七岁就搬去美国，所以我就问他说，当时的他搬去美国有没有什么样的影响，或是当时有没有遇到什么文化的差别？他说他从小就是一个很 over positive optimistic did didn't speak a lick of English，意思是他连一句英文都不会，但是他还是很开心，然后很乐观的去到美国。他一开始说他觉得很惊讶的一件事情他对这些事情都觉得很惊讶另外一个他有分享的一个故事 box moment box moment呢 就是当你带家里的午餐去学校吃的时候当然久了久了很多小朋友就懂了 我就, 我们就讨论说 host 应该不太会有这种状况 除了上课以外的时间呢,他最期待的就是可以在摩洛哥国内旅游。当然他在摩洛哥也有遇到一些文化差异的故事。他说他一直觉得自己是一个很versatile的人, 意思就是他可以很容易适应不同的文化跟国家, 几乎是没有特别是他住的那个城市他说他慢慢发现这件事情的时候这样做的时候但是他现在终于懂了 woke,she's He's woke She's woke. 他说摩洛哥算是在这个地区无论是家人、朋友、邻居等等 Hey 例如说Argan Oil 中文就是摩洛哥坚果油 这个油非常特别, 它很厉害, 很常花时间好好的照顾自己的身体 Salamu alaikum 有點像是在告訴上帝我想讓上帝知道你這個人因為你真的很厲害 Consistency 就是要持续 Time,时间跟structure it or lose it，你不使用它，你就会失去它。他说其实有点像是运动一样，你就是要做一个计划，然后开始做。也许你会一直说,啊,我应该要去健身房,但是你都没有去。他说他的方法就是他直接写下来,写在记事本里, a plan and just do it. 另外他说,为什么structure很重要? 他说你可以找一个老师,或是一个家教,或是一堂课,一个课程。当你有了这个学习计划之后,慢慢的你就可以自己创造这个学习的计划。两个人都会比较有动力 他说你就是很任何的时候,比如说,打工车的时候啊,是等节约的时候,你就可以听十分钟的 podcast,等等。其实多多接触这个语言就会帮助你。他讲了一句我觉得非常赞同的,他说, if you learn one new word a day, it's still one more than yesterday.如果你今天学一个新的单子,你已经会的比昨天多一个单子了。这样想是不是觉得,哎,好像可以做的到,我可以的。没有这么难。最后，我就问他有没有什么想跟台湾人讲的一句话。他说：“Be Be proud that you're Taiwanese 中文现在其实是一个世界最重要的语言了 法文, 阿拉伯文, 那如果你身邊, with Cindy C I 我也会把这个连结 今天可以跟Sindy聊这么多,真的很开心 希望大家跟我一样觉得真的很多收获 it or lose it。尽量在每天的生活中增加一些。I learned so much in today's interview, not only some Arabic phrases, but also about Cindy's time in Morocco, and how she managed to learn so many languages. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. If so, don't forget to subscribe to hear more interviews. You can also check out a clip of this interview on YouTube. If you would like to learn Chinese, French, or Arabic, you can also check out Cindy's Instagram, Languages with Cindy. Link in the description. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you again in two weeks for our next interview on International Talk. Bye bye.